With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Obviously, the Jets know something that, you know, the people up here don't. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of turnonthejets.com. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Dalvin Asario. Dalvin, how you doing tonight? Doing good, Joe. It's uh, what we're, we're down to the last preseason game. We uh, made it through, you know, to now being a week, almost a week and a half away from kickoff. So it feels good that we are finally here. We are finally at the precipice of kicking this thing off. That is correct. We have made it. When you guys are listening to this podcast, it will be on the day of the Jets' final preseason game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the fourth preseason game is generally meaningless because it's usually people, you know, the last 20 or 30 guys battling for roster spots. Obviously, everything's a little different this year with one massive cutdown day coming by September 2nd. And also with how odd and young and unproven the Jets roster is right now, there's going to be a ton of turnover and very little is set in stone at this point. We're going to dive into that tonight. How is this final roster going to shake out? What type of moves could the Jets still make? Because it feels like there is more than one major one still coming. Uh, and then we'll also talk about what we saw through the first three preseason games, which you know are really the bulk of what matters. It's hard to put too much stock in the fourth preseason game with the type of people who are normally on the field. And this will really be our final podcast before we're in previewing regular season mode as the Jets will open up on the road against the Buffalo Bills, who... Maybe starting Tyrod Taylor, maybe starting TJ Yates, maybe start, starting Nathan Peterman. I don't Jesus. know. All I do know is take the under for week one, but we'll get to that next week. Uh, before we dive in, want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official team partner and sponsor of the New York Jets. Make sure to check out Prime Sport at primesport.com backslash turn the Jets. Make sure to give them a follow on Twitter. Make sure to give them a follow on Facebook. Uh, both of their handles are just at Prime Sport. And they're going to be working with the team all year on different away game experiences for Jet fans and home game tailgates and parties set up for the Jets' upcoming eight home games this season. Uh, been working with us for over a year now. So show them some love. Go to primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets. All right, Dalbin, let's start with what could still change on this roster. Normally, for a normal team, uh, there might be a few guys who are on the bubble. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, who sticks, who grabs roster spot 48 to 53. Maybe you pick up one or two guys off waivers and you churn out some of the bottom of the roster. For the Jets, I think they're going to be way, way, way more active than usual because many players who will hit the waiver wire are going to be substantially better 
than the players that are currently on their team and in some circumstances currently lined up for starting positions. So the Jets started out last week with a couple very minor moves. They traded Dexter McDougal, who was playing well at a position of need, for safety Terrence Brooks at a position the Jets just used their first two draft picks on. They then made the always epic long snapper trade, uh, <laughs> trading backup safety Ronald Martin for Thomas Hennessy, who is likely to be kickers Ross Martin's long snapper at Duke in college. So it's likely that Martin will probably win the kicking competition and that Tanner Purdom, Tanner Purdom longtime long snapper, uh, one of the few Jet players remaining over 30, is on his way out. That being said, now that we've dedicated our needed eight seconds of airtime to long snapper talk. <laughs> there sounds like there is going to be a lot more in the way. The Jets want to get rid of Matt Forte, whether that means trading him and having to pay some of his $4 million salary, whether that means cutting him outright. The Jets still want to trade Sheldon Richardson, whether that means settling for a third or fourth round pick. We're going to see because you got to remember they're not likely to get a compensatory pick for him as they're going to spend too much in free agency to get that value. And it is unlikely at this point that the Jets and Sheldon Richardson are coming to an agreement on an $80, $90 million, four to five year contract. So the thought is to get some valuable asset for him now to add to your collection of draft picks. Outside of that, Marcus Williams, Buster Screen, Steve McClendon, all potential veterans who could be on the chopping block or could be on the trading block. Uh, and then at the bottom of the roster, you have to think the Jets are going to be looking to the waiver wire to be adding talent at just about any position, but in particular, wide receiver, uh, offensive line depth, uh, cornerback, all could be on the table, particularly if big names like Kyle Fuller, Sammy Coates, Corey Latimer hit the market. You have to think the Jets would have to take a look at guys like that. They'll have a high waiver priority. They use that waiver priority already to add Coney Ealy to their already deep collection of... <laughs> Defensive lineman slash going to be forced to play outside linebacker at a position uh, collection of players, and he'll get an opportunity to stick on the roster tomorrow. But there's going to be a lot of transactions, and this is probably the first time, and I've been covering this team since I've been, I don't know, 16, I'm 30 now. I don't think it's really <laughs> worthwhile to do a 53-man roster prediction because I don't know how many of these guys are even going to be around when it comes Saturday. I mean, what are you going to be looking for over this weekend, Talvin? Well, actually, that's a really good point, right? Like, if, if I were to drop a 53-man prediction tomorrow, it would probably be wrong by, like, Saturday afternoon. Um, one, I think you're seeing a lot of movement in the NFL in general, like more trades than we're typically used to, right? So Buffalo has been obviously super active. They traded Reggie Ragland, traded Ronald Darby, traded Sammy Watkins, uh, got rid of Cardell Jones, right? So all those things have happened. But then you've seen other teams make moves too, right? So, like, you see... Do you see the Cleveland cut Joe Hayden today and then automatically he's picked up by Pittsburgh? Um, you see the Patriots, even though they traded a second round pick for Coney Ely, they cut him because he didn't fit what they wanted to do. Um, the Jets, I think, are also in the boat. And I think but what I think that does is I think that that takes away the leverage that they do have. So, for example, Matt Forte in a regular year would probably be able to fetch you a fourth-round pick. Say the Giants wanted him, right? You could maybe get a fourth-round pick for him. And I still think that you'll be able to get something like maybe a fifth or a sixth for Kansas City, especially now that their lead back is out for the year. But you're now not operating 
because so many guys are going to be moved. Like the Broncos are shopping TJ Ward, right? Like that's kind of, that was something else that you heard. So many guys have been talked about that are being on the move because a lot of teams, one, they, they see windows, you know, opening up because it's such a big quarterback class next year and they're trying to position themselves for that. But some teams are also being super aggressive, like the Rams going to get Sammy Watkins, right? Like they, they went and traded and got a number one receiver for their franchise quarterback. The Chiefs went and got an inside linebacker to kind of complete their defense, essentially. And a guy in Reggie Ragland, who, yes, is a two-down linebacker, but he's still a guy that had talent enough to go in round two. So that's that's one. And I think that impacts the Jets and what they do. But I do agree with you. I think Sheldon Richardson, Matt Forte, somebody mentioned Marcus Williams earlier. And I think that would be really, really weird if he gets moved, considering that they just moved McDougal. And they must feel really good about Derek Jones and the young cornerbacks that they have. But I wouldn't move Marcus Williams because you're talking about one of their better younger cornerbacks. So I wouldn't move him. But I think you can expect you mentioned a lot of positions. You mentioned offensive line. You mentioned wide receiver. I think watch out for tight end. I think tight end might be a spot where the Jets are active in the waiver wire. I think watch out for safety because, again, Terrence Brooks may be here now, but he may be cut Friday morning. I think this change that the NFL made where now instead of gradually setting the roster from 90 to 75 to 60 to 53 now from going from 90 to 53 it's going to cost a lot of really good players their jobs and the Jets need to be on it not only at the tight end position I think they should look into adding a running back potentially adding a running back maybe Wendell Smallwood from Philadelphia gets cut because he's behind Blunt and Sproles maybe that's a guy that you target because again you've missed on some of these younger backs I also think that they need to aim for the offensive line I get that we still need time to see some of these guys gel, but the Jets have a staggering lack of depth behind their starters, behind their projected starters. And it would not surprise me to see them bring in another defensive lineman as they prepare to trade Sheldon Richardson. Coney Ely is going to fit more of that edge rusher role. He should. Um, uh, Wilkerson and Williams are going to be much more the interior pass rushers, but it would not surprise me to see them bring in another body at the end so that way they can move on from Sheldon Richardson in an easier fashion. uh, You had mentioned mentioned them bringing in Ross Martin's long snapper. That's honestly something that probably makes the most sense is there a position that you would be shocked by that the Jets take a flyer on you know it's really hard to be surprised by anything at this point I I think almost all positions are on the table and that even includes quarterback I I, I don't know if McCagnan has I don't know could put his ego aside to enough enough to do this but if a guy like Garrett Grayson or Joe Callahan I, I don't know a young quarterback to take a flyer on shakes free you know, would he consider maybe trying to move Hackenberg to the practice squad or, or and trying to maybe take a shot on one of those young guys? Probably not, right? I mean, it, that would be such a bad optics look to, you know, not have Hackenberg on the 53. But I, I think some of that, you know, plays into this decision making because when you look about you look at why would the Jets get rid of Dexter McDougal when he's playing well? He's not from this regime. That factors into it. These guys still want to get all of their own guys on the roster. Why is Marcus Williams being shopped? Not picked by this regime. Do you really think that Mike McCagnan is going to trade a defensive end that he just paid $80 million to a year and a half ago instead of trading a defensive end who was drafted by the GM before him who has had a couple off-the-field issues? No. Now, in a vacuum, you could make a really valued argument that he should, but... Not all GMs think like this, and not all GMs are openly willing to admit mistakes. If I was Mike McCagnan, 
I would be not hesitant to make a couple bold moves here, particularly at premium positions. I would say, you know what? Looks like I was wrong at Chris, with Christian Hackenberg. So I'm going to waive him, take my chance that he could go through waivers. And if he does, we'll put him back on the practice squad. If he doesn't, I'm going to go get a different young quarterback because that young quarterback will get a shot at some point this year alongside with Bryce Petty. Maybe one of them show enough to compete next year or be our long-term backup, but I'm going to have another young quarterback. I'm going to take a flyer with him. I'm going to call the Packers and see, can I get Brenton Hundley back for Sheldon Richardson and maybe a mid-round pick? Can we work something out? Is there another young quarterback uh, that hasn't really gotten a chance yet and that's buried as a backup that you want to see get a chance? I'm not saying those deals would go through, but I would be poking around for those type of opportunities. Uh, and at receiver, uh, I think the Jets have to look to be aggressive. Don't don't go trade a draft pick for players who have been leaked that they want to be traded because that just means these teams are going to cut them anyway. Don't be giving up a draft pick for Jermaine Curse. Don't be giving up a draft pick for Philip Dorsett or Alan Hearns. Wait it out. See if they get released and get a waiver claimant on one of these guys and get some more bodies going through at receiver. Get Kembrell Tompkins off this roster. Uh, you know, clear out and keep the younger players or take a flyer on guys with more upside to play alongside Robbie Anderson or Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen, both of whom played very well against the Giants. So I think, honestly, anything should really be on the table. Uh, any final thoughts on specific veterans to watch, Dalbin, uh, before we flip to kind of wrapping up the preseason? Well, you mentioned Kyle Fuller, and that's somebody who, the name, that name, and it's funny because I feel like he's been shopped all offseason, very similar to Sheldon Richardson, and nobody's nobody's bit, which is very surprising because he plays a premium position in the passing league. You want to get your hands on as many young corners as possible. And McCagnan has a relationship with Ryan Pace, obviously, from fleecing him in the in the Brandon Marshall trade. So you wonder if a deal could get worked out before the cut deadline. He's a guy that I would watch out for, right? I think, I, I think a tight end... Uh, you could maybe see a guy like Gavin Escobar, but the Cowboys did just sign him a, a couple months ago, but maybe they decide to move in, move on from him. I also feel that he's the heir apparent to Jason Witten, so I would be surprised if they move him, but you just never know. Um, TJ Ward, again, people will scoff at a safety, but realistically, Todd Bowles has talked up playing three safeties a lot, and TJ Ward brings a nastiness to the back end of this secondary, and he's a he's a sure tackler, and he's not a liability in the covers like he like a lot of people thought he was when he hit the market. I would watch out for him. Um, I also think that it's I think it's I think it's going to be surprises. I think you I think watching out for for those surprise names, right? So like for example, in like in there was talk and it kind of it was fake, it wasn't real, but there was talk of the Jaguars shopping Alan Hearns, right? Because they have Marquis Lee and they have to pay Alan Robinson. Is that a name that shakes free? Maybe not. Maybe not in the cup market, but maybe in the trade market. There's going to be a lot of activity, I feel, between now and and Saturday and now Sunday. And just because you make it on Saturday does not mean you're safe Sunday. We've seen that with a lot of guys. But honestly, I would watch out for veterans at the tight end positions, and I would not be surprised if the Jets add another safety. All right, before we move on to wrapping up the preseason, you know, ever since I started this podcast, people have asked me or Dalbin every now and then for advice on football. Uh, every now and then we get questions, who should we bet on this week? Should we bet on the Patriots? Should we bet on the Jets? Should we bet against the Jets? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Where you're betting 
is just as important as who you're betting on. So that's why at the TOJ Pack podcast, we want to recommend that you go to mybookie.ag. Uh, MyBookie has been in the business for years, and their reputation is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses. So off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. They have the fastest payouts, just two business days. So make sure to check out mybookie.ag. Make sure to use the promo code TOJ. You play, you win, you get paid. The season's here. Uh, so check that out, our newest uh, sponsor here on the TOJ pod. Again, that's mybookie.ag. All right, Dolphin. Jets' third preseason game. New York Giants, 29-3. to Giants at the half. Now, the, the Giants went on to win this game 32-31 thanks to a furious Bryce Petty-led second-half comeback. Ooh. Obviously... Most of the important stuff happens in the first half in this game. And what we saw in the first half of this game was a, two things. We saw a necessary reminder that the Jets are going to struggle against the better teams on their roster, particularly teams with a very good defense. The Giants probably are a playoff team this year. They probably have one of the five best defenses in football. And you saw how difficult it was for the Jets to match up with them on both sides of the ball because – even on the defensive side, they kept being put in bad positions. And we saw, again, re-emphasized without a, an inch of a doubt that Christian Hackenberg is not ready to be a starting quarterback yet if he is ever going to be a starting quarterback. Uh, as bad as he was against Detroit, he was that much worse against the Giants. Brutal pick six to Landon Collins. Uh, another pick six that was not quite as much his fault, although he did throw Robbie Anderson right into a kill shot that was returned for a touchdown, uh, taking unnecessary sacks, missing an open Austin Safarian Jenkins over the middle, underthrowing Robbie Anderson deep, not scoring any touchdowns. It was uh, it was an ugly pre it was an ugly preseason for Hackenberg. The Jets gave him every opportunity to win this job by starting him in the second and third preseason game, playing him the entire first half, and even as someone who did not like the pick and was not optimistic about him this season. Uh, I was even surprised by how bad he was this preseason. I thought you might get a couple glimmers of hope, uh, you know, a couple long completions, a touchdown or two mixed in with some bad turnovers and mental errors. We didn't even get that. We got just no offense generated, brutal mistake after brutal mistake. And the blunt reality right now is that Hackenberg is distantly the third best quarterback on the team with the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. I don't know exactly where that leaves him, but you would be hard pressed to argue that Hackenberg is one of the 75 to 80 best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. He's closer to being not a rostered player than to being a starter. And this should not be overly shocking to anyone who watched him at Penn State, to anyone who watched him last preseason. I understand, you know, trying to harbor some hope and be excited, but it's over. He's not he's not going to be the guy here. The Jets need to still find a long-term answer at quarterback. It was encouraging what we saw from Bryce Petty, and he played well regardless of who he played against. Yes, it was against second and third stringers, so some of it has to come with a grain of salt. But McCown will start because Bulls didn't really have an option with Petty a little banged up. And now Petty has earned the right to be the first young quarterback up. I'm sure at some point this season, Hackenberg will get a chance to start with how this season is likely going to go. But as most of us expected, the Jets are going to be in the quarterback market next year, whether it's the NFL draft, whether it's the trade market, whether it's free agency. Uh, let's keep it focused to quarterback. What did you see against the Giants, Dalbin? 
You know, it's funny. I laughed because you were like, is he one of the even 75 or 80 best quarterbacks? And you know what? I think you just gave me a really good article for this weekend. I'm going to rank all the quarterbacks in the league, first through third string, um, because I, I don't really know where Hackenberg falls, but I think it'd be somewhere around like 96 or 95. He may really be the most, the worst quarterback on any roster, hands down. Um, and so I think for me with Christian Hackenberg, um, so you never want to use production to to highlight progress, right? Because as we've known, and we know this as you know, in the, as long time that we've been covering this team, production can be misleading. It's why you have you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick's 2015, and people say, "Oh my God, look, that means that he's gotten better." No, it just means that he was in a system that helped maximize the little talent that he had. With Christian Hackenberg, I don't care the first, so much how well he did in the first preseason game numerically, or how bad he did in the last two numerically. What I look for is his mechanics, right? So here's what you saw from him in the second and third games. You saw him leading from his back foot, not his front foot. Now, that may seem that may seem a little off kilter, but I'll explain. As a quarterback, you have to drive, right? So you plant your foot and you drive. That's how you get all that arm strength in there. If you are planting your back foot, that's not giving your body enough time for you to torque the ball, for you to get the ball out. That's what you saw from Hackenberg. You also saw... And this was even, you highlighted this on the Austin Safarian Jenkins So He had a clean pocket. He shuffled his feet. And usually you see, like Peyton Manning got away with, for years, shuffling his feet, like always kind of being on his toes. And it was fine because he didn't have as much arm strength, but he was able to, he was able to hit accurate throws. In, the, in that one gif in particular, you saw Hackenberg shuffle his feet, but there was, like, it's not something that he normally does. And there wasn't any pressure around him. Sometimes you see quarterbacks do that to evade pressure. He didn't do that there, and he sailed the ball on Farian Jenkins, right? And he's he's mechanically becoming worse, and that th- that always worries me because for young quarterbacks, you want to see them gradually get better, like even if it's a little bit, right? Like for example, Gino from his rookie year, the last four games to his first year against to the second year against the second year of the game against Green Bay, you saw him start to drive the ball more, right? And you saw him use his athleticism more. So instead of instead of refusing to shuffle in the pocket to evade pressure. He was doing that his second year. You want to see those gradual steps. Bryce Petty, you know, by comparison, compared to who he was last year, last year he looked lost. And he's and Bryce Petty last year was doing a lot of what Christian Hackenberg has been doing this year. So with Hackenberg, it's mechanical. It's all in his head. He doesn't have a good base. His windup is really, really low, which doesn't allow him to really get the ball out as fast as you would want in this kind of offense. And then the mistakes that he does make, he thinks that he has the arm strength to make up for, right? So if you're throwing, again, if you're throwing off your back foot and you're throwing across the field, we saw Pat Mahomes make this mistake, and what saved him was that the Cincinnati Bengals cornerback dropped it. Landon Collins is not going to drop the ball. He's one of the better safeties in this league, and that is probably the easiest pick six that he's ever going to get because not only did Hackenberg stare him down, but he threw off his back foot, and Collins read it and just took it to the house. And those are mistakes you don't want to see from young quarterbacks. And it's a shame, Joe, because it's a shame because when the Jets drafted Bryce Petty, I, I wrote an article about how he shouldn't play at all his first year. And then now he's he's earned the right to be the first backup off the off the bench. But is he really the best option for this team? Probably not. So now you have to take a quarterback next year. But your defense is going your defense and your schedule is going to be good enough that you probably won't get a top pick to get a quarterback. So what are you going to do? You're probably going to take you're probably going to take Arden Key from LSU because you need an edge rusher because you still don't have one. Or you may take a, another three four defensive end because that's what you want to do. Or you take Darwin James from FSU because you want another safety. I, I just for me, 
Missing on Hackenberg now kickstarts that because now you need to have a quarterback, which means you probably have to trade up draft capital to go get a quarterback, and you put that young quarterback in a poor situation. Am I crazy for thinking that that Bryce Petty? Am I crazy for thinking that it's over for Hackenberg? Because you said it, it's over. Is that a crazy line of thinking? Because we've had some people over the last week tell us, "Oh no, he's still going to be very good." Do you, so you're with me that it's done for Christian Hackenberg. It's over. I mean, come on. Let, let's be real here. This guy has not played good football in four years. He wasn't good his last two years at PSU. Uh, he wasn't good last year. Like, he was just a fourth stringer last year. And he is nowhere near ready to play now. I, I don't know what magical light is going to go on this offseason. And the Jets, they don't have the time to wait this out and go through this whole process again next year, particularly when there's going to be so many talented quarterbacks available next offseason in the draft or in free agency or in the trade market. You know, the fact that Hackenberg is in his second year, and he can't even beat out Bryce Petty, whose ceiling is a career backup most likely, it, it really kind of tells you everything you need to know. There's not going to be this magical light that goes on next year. There's just not, no data or logic to believe that. We haven't seen any of it. Look at Deshaun Kaiser. He's on a bad team. He played on a bad team in college. He's a rookie second rounder, and he looks miles and miles ahead of Hackenberg. Uh, so it's just it's unrealistic to expect that anything is going to change and the Jets need to aggressively be looking to address the quarterback position next offseason. I mean, elsewhere around the roster, this came in the second half again, but it was very encouraging to see how rookie receivers are Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen played. Both of them, great sideline catches, showing good field awareness, making plays in the red zone. Stewart had two touchdowns, Hansen caught a conversion. Uh those guys should get as many opportunities as possible this year. Get them out there with Robbie Anderson. Make that make, Build around your young receivers. Get them as many reps and as experience this year. Then you get a new odd back next year. Then you have four young receivers for whoever your quarterback is. That was an encouraging thing. And I'm curious to watch this offensive line with a different quarterback because I don't think this is a great offensive line. I don't even know if it's a good offensive line, but they are, they are being made to look way, way, way worse than they are because of Hackenberg. And you saw that with some of the grades that have came out this past few days from PFF that they've ranked pretty well. It's just Hackenberg just can't recognize the blitzes and way to get rid of the ball. I guarantee they will look better with Josh McCown or Bryce Petty under center. They're going to have problems this year. There's no doubt about that. But they might be much closer to being competent than many think they are. So we need to be able to evaluate Brandon Shell and Kelvin Beecham and Wesley Johnson and the young receivers and the young running backs and the young tight end. And that's why McCown is going to be the guy. And, you know, we did see some encouraging flashes uh, from some of these young receivers. Did anyone else catch your eye on either side of the ball, Dalbin? Yeah, Joe. I mean, I think for me, the so you mentioned the receivers, and I and I think you're right. I think you nailed it on the head. What was really interesting, and it's funny because it's just the nature of this fan base, right? Like Chad Hansen almost got written off. I felt like right, like nobody was talking about him. Everybody was talking about Stewart, even though he only had the one catch at the stiff arm. Nobody talked about Hansen, and then he shows up, has a really good game against a pretty good secondary, right? Like the Giants are pretty deep in the secondary unit, and he. He did his thing. I think he ran really crisp routes. I thought he showed good hands. Um, and he seems to have a really good rapport with Bryce Petty. And again, that was similar to Robbie Anderson last year. So I would expect, at least for me, if I was Bowles, I would start Hanson and Anderson and put Stewart in the slot because those are the guys that have been working with Petty and just let them go to work on the offense with Jordan Leggett. Um, Jordan Leggett was another guy that I think flashed. Um, I think offensively, the biggest thing was 
that you saw these young receivers winning their one-on-one matchups. And that's, again, that's why I say, and I'll say it again, production doesn't always always prove progress. But what you saw with them was the little things that you see from veteran receivers. And again, everybody wants to say that there is no veteran receiver veteran receiver here on this team to teach these young guys, but you're seeing little tricks, right? So our Darius Stewart, I think, yeah, it was Stewart on, on one of his routes, uh, planted his foot and turned back to Bryce Petty to give him a good target. Hansen on one of his routes broke off of his route because he saw Petty scrambling and Petty was able to find him and he was able to haul it in. And that's what you want to see. And I, and I know that may seem redundant because Joe mentioned the receivers, but I, I can't speak enough about them because I feel like both of them were kind of written off. It felt like like everybody focused on Harper this offseason. Everybody was like, oh, this is going to be Q's coming out and Robbie Anderson, et cetera, et cetera. And Stewart and Hansen, which, again, is very rare for third and fourth round pick and third and fourth round picks were kind of forgotten. And I get that they were banged up. But I think they showed a lot in that Giants game of how I would use them going forward. Yeah, it was an encouraging sign. And like you said, those guys had you know been overlooked. And hopefully they are thrust into a bigger role early in the season. And that, that goes the same for a lot of other young players as well. If Forte gets moved, we're going to see more Elijah McGuire. Uh, if other veterans get moved around at different positions, we're going to see uh, other young players get a chance. And you know, before we wrap... Uh, and you know, move to next week where we're analyzing these final roster cutdowns, and we're uh, we're previewing Jets Bills, a game that you know, despite all of this and how bad this team is likely to be this year, if Tyrod Taylor doesn't play, and with how Buffalo is trying to outtake the Jets, would not shock me at all if the Jets found a way to win a really ugly game in Buffalo Week One. Now, I don't know what the hell is going to happen Week Two when they go out to Oakland, but you know, in a Week One vacuum, it's kind of funny that. Uh, they'll have a pretty good chance to win week one regardless. Even if Tyrod plays, I think they'll have a decent chance because I think he's struggling in that new system and he's been hurt most of the preseason. So it will be interesting to see. I, you know, My hope is that, and again, this will publish before the fourth preseason game, we get maybe one, max two series of McCown, then let Hackenberg play the rest of the game. Don't risk getting Petty hurt. Get McCown out of there so he doesn't get hurt. Start the season with McCown as the one, Petty as the two, Hackenberg as the inactive three, and then go from there. Uh any final words, Dalvin, before we uh, wrap our preseason podcasts? No, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head. I think that's what I would do. Um, I would implore Mike McCagney because, you know, he's an avid listener of the podcast. Just cut Christian Hackenberg. Just cut him, you know, be done with it. I think I think there's no sense in pretending that this is going to be a thing. Um, but I think, yeah, because it would be the Jets' luck for McCown to get hurt tomorrow, and then you have to play Hackenberg on the road in Buffalo. And that, I mean, obviously you don't want to do that. I think you had touched on this in a couple of tweets. That's the easiest way to lose your team if you play a guy that hasn't earned it. So I, would, I wouldn't hesitate to cut Hackenberg, but realistically play McCown maybe even just one series and punt it and then put Hackenberg in for the rest of the game. All right, we're going to wrap it. Uh, before we do, we're going to throw it to a preview of this week's Play Like a Jet podcast hosted by Scott Mason. Make sure to subscribe to the Turn on the Jets podcast on iTunes. Make sure to listen to us on the site at turnonthejets.com. Leave us a review. Tweet us over your review name. You'll be eligible to win a shirt from our store over at The Loyalist. That's theloyalist.com backslash turnonthejets. Make sure to follow Dalbin on Twitter at DA underscore Sario. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. Uh, and we will be back next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. All right, and before we wrap, we want to throw it over to Scott Mason, who hosts our other podcast, Play Like a Jet, at Turn on the Jets Digital. Each week, Scott talks with a different member uh, from the New York Jets past on different moments, seasons, 
other things that have happened in their previous history that could relate to things that we're going to see this upcoming season. So make sure to subscribe to Play Like a Jet on iTunes. Make sure to check out episodes on our site, turnonthejets.com. Make sure to follow Scott on Twitter at playlikeajet1. Scott, what do we have to look forward to this Friday? Hey, Joe. We did the training camp special the last couple of weeks. We took a look at guys that tried to make the Jets through training camp. I thought it would be kind of an interesting series to do, given that we were in the middle of training camp. We talked to Doug Shanahan, the former three-time All-American safety from Hofstra, about his journey trying to make the team in 2002. And then last week, Tom Otiano, the former Monmouth offensive lineman who tried to make the team in 2011. And now that training camp is over, that series is over, and we're back to taking a look at the biggest seasons and moments and careers in Jets history. And we're going to dive into that this week with an interesting fellow. It's timely in the sense that a lot of the buzz around the Jets this offseason has been that their first two picks were in the secondary, and they're expected to contribute right away. Marcus May in the second round, of course, Jamal Adams in the first round. The last time two guys were picked in the secondary that high and expected to contribute right away, that was in 1988. And the two guys were Eric McMillan and James Hasty. Actually, there was a third one, Terry Williams. He ended up getting hurt. But those two were the guys that stepped in and started right away. And this week, I'm fortunate enough that Eric McMillan has agreed to join us, and he's going to talk his rookie season in 1988. I'll tell you this about Eric McMillan. I think we've done some really good shows so far. Eric McMillan not only has a terrific memory, he does not care who he offends. He goes out and he'll tell you what he really thinks. And to that end, there's a quarterback who was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in the 1980s. Well, Eric, right off the bat in his rookie season, was not impressed with this guy. You'll find out who it is and why Eric wasn't impressed with him right off the bat. You'll hear all about his upbringing and how he kind of got into the league. His father, a multiple-time Pro Bowl professional offensive lineman in the NFL. So kind of a different thing there, being a second-generation guy. You're going to hear about what that was like. You hear about being an All-American at the University of Missouri and then coming to the Jets. And he came in, like I said, there was one of those deals where the Jets knew their secondary was really, really bad, so they drafted three guys in their first four picks. We'll hear about the early goings and a little bit of info for you here. We remember the Mark Sanchez color-coded wristband. Well, that didn't start with Mark Sanchez. Back in 1988, uh, Eric McMillan was uh, sporting one of those wristbands. We'll talk about that in his first game, what the deal was behind that, why he wore it or didn't wear it, as the case may be, but why it was prepared for him and how things got going in the early on. So this will be part one of an ongoing series on the 1988 season with the very opinionated, colorful, and I'll tell you, a heck of a storyteller, too. Eric McMillan, he's a guy that not only started as a rookie, but to this day is the only Jet player in the team's history to go to the Pro Bowl his first two seasons in the league. You'll hear all about that. And also, he may have an opinion as to whether or not Adams and May can live up to the McMillan-Hasty combo. He's got an interesting and colorful take on that as well. So tune in Friday, Part 1, 1988, with Eric McMillan. Really looking forward to it. Thanks to everybody for the support. As Joe said, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review, and make sure you subscribe on iTunes and give reviews to all of the Turn on the Jets digital podcasts, including this one with Joe and Dalbin, draft season with Dalbin and Jeff Lloyd. 
And, of course, our newest podcast, The Jet Take with Ben Blessington and Kyle Fahey. So, again, thanks for the support, everybody. And make sure, you know, you just keep checking out our content. We'll keep churning it out for you. I think you're really going to enjoy part one of 1988 this Friday. Thank you, Scott. Uh, Really looking forward to that one. That's a great get with Eric McMillan. Uh, Looking forward to seeing what he has to say. Again, one final reminder, go subscribe to Play Like a Jet on iTunes. Go follow Scott on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we will be back next week with our Week 1 podcast. Turn on the Jets, Week 1 draft season, Week 1 the Jet take, and Week 1 Play Like a Jet. The season is finally here. Thank you for staying with us all off season, and we will talk to you guys next week.